You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Arlington Remastered. Chapter 8. The Leader. From the Journal of Thomas W. Arlington, District of Columbia, February 22, 1883. Langley, War Room, 9 a.m. Good morning, Major. Good morning, ma'am. We have some refugees inbound. The first of them will be in Washington by the early afternoon. How many of them are left in the group? Higgins, I need to count by age and mobility. Yes, sir. We've been keeping track of them since they left Des Moines. Trouble in Iowa. They wanted to head back this way in November when our scouts reached them, but they were encouraged to remain where they were. A lot of land out there for wheat, and we had accommodation issues back then. We have accommodation issues now. It's better than it was last June, thanks to you. This is McAvoy, Chief of Housing and Development. I have three hairs left on my head. After today, I think I'm looking at two. The Iowans did as they were told. They stayed put. And they were sourcing our supply line with the wheat they harvested over last summer, during the winter season. Then, a few months ago, some raiders moved into the area and set up camp. Took them for everything. Livestock, stores, women, even the blankets. We're spread so thin out there, the nearest garrison was 50 miles away. By the time our soldiers started to hunt the raiders down, they had gone to ground or moved on. Either way, that left the people at Des Moines pretty... desperate. Arlington. Sir, Tremaine is here to speak with you. Have him come back tomorrow. Could we have resupplied them? We did. And they packed those supplies and the horses we gave them and came here. They want to be somewhere safer, closer to the center of industry. From the middle of Iowa? That's what, a thousand miles? A thousand thirteen. Yes? Sir, Tremaine says if you are busy, he will wait in the lobby until you have time. Tell him today is going to be the busiest day of the year. Come back tomorrow. I've got the numbers back. 112 refugees remaining in the group. 67 males, 45 females, 31 of the total are below the age of 10, 13 are older than 60. So, 68 at optimum age. We'll take 20 for military duty. Everyone else, we can find positions elsewhere. What kind of skill sets are we looking at besides farming? Several trained medics. Good. Five school teachers. Good. Two of them are blacksmiths, and apparently one of them is a ballet teacher. I'm struggling to think of a practical application. I asked Higgins to put dancing on a list of key recreational activities. Ah. Trust me. It will serve as a safety valve for many ladies. I might actually be interested in that myself. Me too. All right, all right. Unless they have a harpsichord tuner I don't know about, we need to move on. What are we like for accommodating them this morning? Well, the same as yesterday and the day before. Not good. Percentages in the high 90s for inhabited domiciles, Major Butler. More than 70% of homes now shared by at least one family. We're still beavering away at the restorations in the neighborhoods that got hit the hardest after the Wendigo. It's easier than building them from scratch, but while we have the manpower, the materials are always what we need more of. So in short, 112 people are going to be waiting a while to get a mended roof over their heads. Speak. Sir, Tremaine says thank you, but he will wait all the same. Tell him to go fuck himself. Director. No, wait. I'm sorry, Chester. Tell him to kindly, please, go and fuck himself. Director! Chester, tell him if it pleases him to wait, then he can wait. But I will make no promises about availability today. You really should see to that. 
I can handle things here for a moment. It's him and his goddamn acolytes that are the reason we can't house the Iowans. What were the numbers from Georgia again? 600? 621. We've been dividing and subdividing living quarters to make room for them for three days now. That's another thing. Oh, what? Some of the families from Georgia aren't happy with the households they've been put in. Not warm enough? Too crowded? They say they don't like the other families they're sharing space with. Okay, I'm gonna take a wild stab in the dark with this one. They don't like being forced into a room with black Washington families. Yeah, that was a recurring motif. Give me fucking strength. Alright, new plan. McAvoy, can you draw up a list of the complaining white families from Georgia? We need to set up a series of tents outside D.C. for them. Boom! Newly available house sharing for the people of Iowa. How serious are you? Entirely serious. May I suggest a compromise? Yes. Move the black families from Georgia in with the black families from Washington. The numbers don't add up. There are more white families from Georgia that have this problem than there are black families from Georgia all told. Plus, what happens to the people of Des Moines while we're shuffling the Georgians? They'll just have to wait. They've been traveling for weeks. So has everyone from Georgia. This is only a temporary measure. But once Baltimore is cleared and we migrate several thousand people north to resettle the city, what happens then? If we've been pandering to bigots who won't share space with Negroes here, what kind of precedent does that set for living in the future? What we're talking about is segregation here. Black houses, black streets. What about Hispanic, Chinese, Irish? If we feed this... Sir, remains... If we feed this rotten beast, we're going to have cities divided into blocks of ethnicity that won't even talk to each other. You know what? I've changed my mind. Leave the white family sharing with the black. Higgins, are we fully primed for the Iowa reception? Blankets, braziers, warm milk. Yes, sir. McAvoy, can you get those tents set up and a recruitment drive going for bodies on rehousing and more support for the supply lines? I'd be sending the majority out to help bring timber into the city. Do it. It's been a long, cold journey for them. But they'll work that much faster if it's their own new houses they're fixing up. Yes, Director. Yes? Sir, Tremaine. Oh, God damn it. Go. Can you hold the fort, Sarah? I've got it. Major Butler, shadow me. Yes, Director. What do you know about this man already? Tremaine? Big shot former Confederate colonel, or at least he claims to be. Hails from Atlanta. His followers harbor a fanatical devotion to both him and a way of life they believe the Union took from them. It's the lost cause, the idea of chivalrous men and gentle ladies. And let's pretend all those slaves were happy singing their songs in the cotton fields. When this goes much further, this evolution of that ideal is not so much focused on what was taken from them, but what they can get back. They're heading towards a bright future, and he's leading the way. Make no mistake. In that next room, my friend, is one of the most dangerous men in America. We strode through the corridors of NIA headquarters, hoping to find a lone man standing in the lobby. Instead, we were confronted by a throng, a sea of white faces peering across at me. They were all dressed in suits that had been mended several times over and carried themselves with a haughty air. But when eyes were not on me, they were on Colonel Tremaine. 
He was tall with piercing eyes that bordered on metallic and sported a handlebar mustache, an exquisitely pressed cream suit and a red top hat. He carried a cane with an ornate handle in the shape of a horse with jeweled eyes. With this he frequently gestured as though holding court. I made note of the ten reunified state soldiers within sight, standing guard at various doorways. Butler remained at my side, his two pistols holstered but visible. Ask, and ye shall receive. Do you see that? I enter this man's house. I ask for his company, and within mere minutes it is granted to me. If today is yours for the taking, then tomorrow you shall have the world at your feet. Colonel Tremaine, what can I do for you? Well, I shan't waste your time, Director. I'm a simple man with simple needs, as are my knights. We only wished a brief meeting so that we might look upon the architect of America's present due course, the legendary Negro with the ear of the President. Why, I was told you were not but a dandied-up blue gum, but I can see a proud buck standing before me, with no contrite apology upon his lips. Have my people been treating you well? Oh, fine, good. They speak with such authority on matters pertaining to both the environs of the city of Columbia and without. You have them well trained. Listen, you were asked to bring only your soldiers to the District of Columbia, but they appear to have brought their families as well. Oh, yes. Can't be leaving our women folk and children alone and unprotected for the wolves to prey upon. There'll be no tomorrow for us if we return to empty beds. True. But that would account for the current housing shortage. We apologize for our numerousness. My knights have ridden long and hard to lend you our aid. Once your Baltimore is cleansed of the hellspawn that squat in its ruin, may I have your word, right now, this very minute, that we will together do the same for Atlanta so that my knights may finally return home? We all look forward to that happy day. Say it now. That is the plan. Baltimore, then Atlanta. It's in the handbook. Everyone who's read it or heard it is... Say the words, my ebony friend. Say them with joy in your heart. Once Baltimore is cleared, we will then clear Atlanta. Again? Once Baltimore is cleared, it is the reunified state's government's military strategy to take back Atlanta, followed by Nashville, then New Orleans, then Kansas City, then... There! You heard the words! All of you did. We have the promise of this man, of the government. Remember that, O knights. We must help the people who do not see the world for what it is. Our reward will be the greatest of all. If there is nothing else, you must excuse me, sir. I have a lot of business today, as I said. Oh, that's fine. You go. You do your job, with my blessing. My knights and I will return to our new toil taking up the plowshare until it is once again time for us to take up the sword. It has been a pleasure, Colonel. Good day to you. May fortune favor your efforts. It is difficult to leave a room without turning your back on a crowd, but I have perfected the art over the past few years. Pardon my French, sir, but that man in there scares the living shit out of me. You're not alone in that. He is nine different kinds of trouble. 
Did you see the way he was talking to them more than you half the time? Did you see their eyes when they looked at him? They believe in him. They love him. I'll wager if he asked any one of them there to rip out our throats, they would have done so, just to make him happy, disregarding all consequences to themselves. He doesn't have to push people into battle or force them to compromise their worldview. They do it gladly. Are we already watching him? I've had eyes on him since they entered the city. I'm doubling that. I suppose it would be naive of me to presume he's a man of his word and was just born as creepy as that. It would be naive. What do you think he's going to do? I suspect we're the closest we've ever been in our history to a military coup. Do you think he's that crazy? I don't think he's crazy at all. I think he's incredibly gifted at manipulating people. You a little envious, sir? Of that? No. I want people to think for themselves and then conclude that what I've asked them to do makes the most sense. Now, why do I ask anyway? Do I act like I have a pathological need for control or something? I wasn't going to say that. Yeah, you were thinking it pretty hard. Let's go back to the beleaguered people of Iowa. We need to give them a good night's sleep to prepare for what's coming in the morning. You have been listening to episode 8 of Arlington Remastered, The Leader, written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Thomas W. Arlington, performed by Alex Shaw. Sarah Arlington, performed by Maureen Foley. Major Frank Butler, performed by Spencer Lieb. Housing Chief McAvoy, performed by Sharon Shaw. Colonel Joseph Tremaine, performed by Matt Wardle. Higgins, performed by Megan Hopwood and Chester, performed by Dan Mayer. Prospector Theme and Battle Hymn of the Republic, performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many Soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Evan Jankowski, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Gasiga, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joseph Gluck, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Scott Jacob, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosansky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. And with the tenth book written and receiving its beta reads and final edits, work begins on the eleventh story. Panther Soul, as we journey back to Rama. <laughs>